All right, we're coming at you hot and fast on this one. Episode 69 of Don't Be an Idiom. You know what you're listening to. It's that word podcast that goes into the histories of words and phrases and idioms and figurative language and whatever we want. Hot damn. Talk about it. Hot as fire. (laughs) You were just in the zone, the intro zone. That's it, man. You're fucking in the seats for yeah, the idioms. Strap on in. These seats are going fast. It's Saturday night. <laughs> we are doing it. We're coming to you from the rock and roll capital of Pennsylvania, Mm-mm-mm. Philadelphia, brother of Delphi. Johnny Depp's knocking on the door, waving like, let me in. In a, me in. In a like, way. Nah, dude. <laughs> we, nah, uh, that's because we're having that much fun. <laughs> Nah, dude. <laughs> you know, some might refer to us as the oracles of Delphi of the podcasts that Fuck, are yeah, in dude. Philadelphia. You, and you know the reference. Block. Yes. <laughs> you find me a better podcast on this block. <laughs> on this block, right. You just like march around and be like, you got a podcast. <laughs> no, we don't. That's right, bitch. <laughs> That's right. All right. So, Bitch go- like is in... As in, you know, like a, yeah, like a, be at. They call, like a, it's like you're punks. You're like being punks. Yeah, yeah. No, no, not, we get not it. like you know. <laughs> no, we get it. Satire. Listen, women rule. Obviously, boys drool. But what would happen if we did knock on the door and somebody was like, "Oh yeah, I do. I have a podcast in here." Well, we would have to, you know, like, cut their wires. What's the deal? <laughs> what's the deal? Let How me, much do you have to pay to move image. to the next, the next block <clears> over? Yeah. <laughs> Let me see your thumbnail image. Right? Like, you could tell so much in the thumbnail image. You can, yeah. You know. Ours is great. Our thumbnail image. I think I think we... I wonder if we've ever even talked about it. I don't know if we have. Well, let's you know, when ta- you what's go the history? into iTunes or, or Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, and you're going to see that little image that goes with Don't Be an Idiom, and that is... I was just talking about this... The other day, telling mm-hmm. somebody about it for the first time, they were like, "Oh, I love your image," and I was like, "Oh, oh don't hear that often." Cool, right? No, so nobody, <laughs> nobody ever notices. Yeah, but it was like I was saying how we you found it in that old book, but it was like so old it didn't have rights or something, right? Well, yeah, it was pre copyright. It's like post. It's yeah, like, free. There's no copyright it's infringement. Free man. <laughs> I declare there is no copyright infringement. I am a free man. <laughs> and. I, yeah, I was looking up something for Shoot the Messenger, or maybe I just stumbled upon the picture, yeah. and I was like, this would be a good representation of Shoot the Messenger, but I had to add, add an envelope. envelope, yes. So if you look closely at our at our little image, that envelope was added by moi. And you can't even tell. It blends right in. Blends right in. Even though that style envelope is not periodically correct. <laughs> yeah, well, that's probably true. It's a little squat. <laughs> Should probably be longer <laughs> yeah. with a wax seal even. But you know, I, I had said to you, so it was my roommate Alexis and her friend Julia were over and I, when I showed her the thing and I was like, there's an idiom there. Can you find it? And they, mm. they were both like, uh, uh, and Alexis is really good. She's annoying. Like when oh, I yeah. do word puzzles and stuff, she's like, oh, this is the answer. This is the answer. And like, so she's looking and she didn't get it. I was like, shoot the messenger. He's dropping the letter that yeah. he was delivering. Yeah. Well. That went through a lot of iterations. We landed on that <laughs> colorful one to, to just to represent some some psychedelic I love approaches to certain elements of the show. 
You know, and I'll be honest, I thought there was like, well, there's like, oh, I bet every once in a while we'll like change it sort of. Like we'll do mm-hmm. it like all black with yeah. like red, whatever, you know, like, but you uh, know what? But no, it's perfect. It's fine. Yeah. It's beautiful. <laughs> and there's a, there's an original, there's a, a version before this one that we didn't end up using, which was, it was going to be, Chris was blindfolded, screaming. Right. And that was going to be like a shoot the messenger. There was a Remember sketch photo? that we have. No, of, it wasn't a sketch. It was I a sketched photo- it. I'm telling you, there's a photograph. I know, though. but oh. it's from my sketch. And then we did the photo. That's from your sketch? I was like, Fry, look at this sketch. And you're like, that's great. We should make a promo about that. And then we did it. And we were like, not so great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. And then we just use that, like the drawing version. So there you go. There's some history about the Don't Be an Idiom uh, logo. That's wild right. stuff. <laughs> wild. <laughs> wild. So anyway, what else? What else we got here? Okay. We got a couple of little bits at the top of the show. Our new listener, old friend Matt, uh, Dira, because there's, there's more, there's a couple of Matts out there. Mm. He, <laughs> I, well, you know, I just got invited to the Kensington Coffee Club. I don't know if you've heard of this. No one's heard of it now. It's a big deal. Big deal. It's invite only. Like, I've never been invited to an invite only thing. It's nice. <laughs> it's like. Usually excluded from invite only things. <laughs> And then I'm like, if I only had an invite. <laughs> yeah, it's invite only. Right. And um, so it's nice to be included. And uh, I, and we were over there talking the other day, and I was like, oh yeah, we're we're working on something for the podcast. And he's like, oh, you know, I, I don't I don't really listen to podcasts. And I'm like, that's okay, you don't have to. But I was like, but ours is great, and you should listen to mm-hmm. it. No, not really. I played it very chill. Actually, I was like, right. it's fine. I don't care. You know, oh, if yeah. you listen at all. So chill. Right, because then, then he's going to be like, why doesn't he care? <laughs> and then he's going to go and listen. Uh-huh. Seems like, like it works. Maybe it's so good. <laughs> but anyway, um, where was I going with this? He, he was just going to tell us he had, a, oh, he had yeah, some yeah. hatch so he's been he's been burning through some episodes, which is great. And Ryan's uh, idiom like two episodes ago was the booby hatch, right? Booby hatch, yeah. And... Uh, uh, Matt, he he'll like go to Alaska for like a summer and like live and work on a fishing boat. And he was telling us how like oh they have these hatches in the boat and it's like super it's like super they have a superstition about it mm-hmm. where you never lay the hatch upside down when mm-hmm. you remove the lid because like he wrote um, upside down hatch equals upside down boat Got and it. they don't have hinges. Yeah. Because then if you hinged open... Then it's upside down. Yeah, so you have to pick so, it up and lift it right side up. Oh. That's that sailor shit. <laughs> like, they are serious. That sailor shit we were talking about. Dude, could you imagine like being on a boat and just being like, la la la, and like you do something, and then the sailor's like, can't fucking do that! <laughs> and he like blows smoke out of his pipe. <laughs> And you're like, I don't know. And then you're like pissing your pants. Yeah. You mean this is all like part of the learning curve on being on a yeah, ship? Yeah, you're just like, I just was going on this ride on this ship. Yeah. You're that... not supposed to be touching that part. I feel like as soon as your foot touches a ship, it turns into a cartoon. And everyone's yeah, just got to deal with this whole situation in cartoon world. You know what? It does feel like that when I get on a boat. I feel like I put my foot on it. I'm like, eh? Eh? It's crazy, right? We're on the water. <laughs> It's so dumb. Everyone's like, shut up. 
I love imagining you like <laughs> purchasing tickets for ferries all up and down the coast. No, no, it has to be little boats because ferries don't move; they don't bounce enough. Sure, yeah. Uh, right, I do well, like a good. You ferry. stepping on a lot of strangers, you know, small boats. <laughs> I guess I can't imagine what situation that would be uh, happening under. See, we could just you could just follow me around doing that. Okay, and this is how that's we're making money. That's, oh, that's a show. Okay. Yeah, check, and check you know that what? out. I bet Matt can get us in on like some local docks. Yeah, I'm sure he would love <laughs> to ruin his reputation by doing that. Matt, thank you for inviting me to the Kensington Coffee Club. I love it. And oh. hey, Greg, fellow member. Cute. Yeah, there's three members. Uh, <laughs> I think there's five, actually. Oh. And Greg's parents came over the other day. Oh, that's That great. was nice. Nice. I don't think they remembered me. Um, okay, more stuff. Okay, here's what else we got. All right, you thought that was good? Watch this. <laughs> So Ryan and Shelly and I went out to the Separatist here in downtown South Philly. And, uh, you know, just having some drinks. And um, that thing you do is on one of the TV screens. Yeah. And I think we all agreed that we none of us have ever actually I've sat never and seen, seen it the all the way thing. through, only in pieces, you know? Right. And this, the sound wasn't even on. But anyway... Uh, long story short is they were doing the thing where they were rising in the billboard charts and you would see their names with the star. And I go to Ryan and Shelly. I was like, you want to know an idiom? And they're like, yeah, duh. <laughs> <laughs> Come on already. <laughs> yeah. Come on already. Actually, I'd like to repeat that phrase. <laughs> Get to the point. So the point is, I'm like, all right, I have this idiom. I looked it up. I it, I didn't think it was enough for an episode. So I was like, yeah. oh, you know that saying, number one with a bullet or whatever number with a bullet. And we were all like, yeah. like oh, yeah. Oh, big one. <laughs> and um, I was like, do you know that it comes from the, the top 40 or top 100 billboard charts or whatever? And they're like, how so? And so uh, DJs used to when a song moves from a lower position to a higher position at like a quick rate, like a, like, 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 wow, look how fast this is going. They would mark it with a little asterisk or bullet. Mm -hmm. um, and that was so the DJs knew that this is not just the number, but this is a fast rising star. For sure. I, you told us that last episode and I feel like Wait, hearing- no, it, I didn't. You did. I told you this. I think so. I told I'm you at the bar. I'm confusing real life with- That's it. You're the, confusing the real life with the bar. I don't know. I mean, with the, uh, with the podcast. Half my conversations with Albert are on the podcast. Half of them are at a bar. So sometimes yeah. you get mixed up. That's the thing. It's like, that's how you know. We're just regular friends. <laughs> we're jo we're regular as, Joes. As opposed to what? It's not about the money. What money? Or the fame. Or the women. It's okay. just friendship, man. All right. This is getting a little off the rails. For All right. Taste. Well, that's okay because we only had two. Um, top of the show. Top of the shows. That's right. Well, with a bullet, very interesting, I'm sure. And Thank you. it just seems Thank like you. you probably could have saved that for an actual episode. I really wish I did. <laughs> I, I was t saying to Ryan how I was having like guilt sweats the other yeah. day. I'm like, I was like, damn it. You know, I was a bit aghast listening to you tell me an idiom history when I was like, he should just be doing this on the show right now. Aghast? <laughs> Are yes. you using, is that your second idiom? No, I'm just speaking. Oh, okay. We haven't okay. even played the game yet. Well, things are so aghast over here on Broad Street. I was trying to decide if I should say aghast or aghast. 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 I was just simply aghast with... I was positively aghast with Albert's behavior. 
That'd be a great bumper sticker. Yes, it would. Oh, my God. Uh, write that down. Okay. Raj, write it down. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it later. All right, <laughs> so... pizza sauce and pizza to me. Let's... Let's play. Uh, let's play the game. Oh, let's see who's going Ryan, first. Yo, I wish everyone could see the look on Ryan's face when he sees the game we're playing. Look at this. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, poop toss. Great. And so you wear a helmet, and then people are throwing Velcro turds at your head. Is that what I'm saying? That's exactly right. That's just from the picture, is folks. That's stupid that's how, or what? That's how a stupid it is. And B, simple it is. You can just look at one image and you know the whole game. See that? Poop sells. Would you That is mute not me. Your phone it is. That time it was. <laughs> All right. Okay, so, so give me the um, give me the the friggin' thing. So you put it on your head. <laughs> see this would be one that people want to sit. Yeah, you can throw first. I Well, so annoyed. you should not be annoyed that you're worse at poop toss than me. I just I hate terrible. that I've lost the last four episodes or some shit. Dude, I am on a roll. I love it. Uh, it's so it annoying. feels good. All right, well, what's your stupid fucking idiom? All right, well, uh, sometimes I like doing a little intro with a sound clip. So I've got one for you, and I know Ryan's going to remember it because it's one of our all-time favorites. Put the speaker by the mic. I'm doing that. Mom, are you familiar with the term slipped him a Mickey? As in, someone slipped that guy a Mickey and now everybody looks weird to him. Brendan, what are you talking about? A fisheye lens. I need a fisheye lens. No pets, Brendan. No, Mom. Mom. <laughs> wow. Now, so that is something that we talk about all the time on the show. Many references to home movies. Whew, I'm out of breath. <laughs> home movies. That was Brendan Small, everybody. Actor and character. And genius. So, slip him a Mickey. Right? <laughs> yeah, that is good. Right? That's good. I always thought, like, I don't know, slip someone a Mickey. I guess, uh, what's the deal with that? Is it like drugging someone's drink? Oh, yeah. That's exactly so, what it is. The definition that I landed on here is to surreptitiously drug someone's alcoholic drink with the intent on incapacitating them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Slip them a Mickey. Uh, all right. So where does this come from? It smacks It smacks of the 1920s to me. Mm. Um, 1920s America. I do think that there was a lot of, you know, illegal prohibition era drinking going on. Right. And I think there was probably quite, so, some. Quite a bit. I mean, that's how some gangsters were making the money. I feel like Prohibition must have been a funny time. Like, everybody's just like, Prohibition. We're pretending that we're not drinking. Prohibition, Prohibition, Prohibition. Got a mission, Prohibition. Oh, my God. Like, I'm so weird. I'm going to have to actually make that song later <laughs> at the end of the episode. But, you know, like... You know, it just seems like it's so, like, it's even more fun to drink because everything's so secret, but it's like, right. everyone knows it's still happening. Yeah. Well, it seems like this would have been birthed out of that mo- that era, the uh, jazz age. Um, but how did it become Slip'em a Mickey? Yeah. 
Uh, so yeah. All right, it's the 1920s. Everyone's throwing around the phrase "slip on my Mickey," and who is this Mickey guy? Um, but everyone's favorite Mickey the Glove, and he was a he was a boxer. Oh yeah, sure. And he was like, ah, oh, box your legs. <laughs> but oh man, prohibition boxers. Mm-hmm. That is a good time. That's a good look, right? right? You know, you got like a twirly mustache. Maybe yeah. if you're a boxer, you got like a big head, and you're like. You look like you don't look muscular. You just look really like right. Big. Yeah, they didn't. They weren't all cut like mm-hmm. they are now. Like they're just like yeah, they're like they're just, big but hard. I, they blood. can carry a log up a hill. <laughs> uh huh. Right. Like so. That's that's the yeah. image. But you know, sometimes he likes to go out to the clubs, and so he puts on a suit. But he yeah. looks ridiculous in the suit, right? Oh, right. Because he's all paunched out, you know. Just but it's all muscle too. Because like the tail is like. Mickey, the uh, they don't make suits big enough for your heart. <laughs> For your big heart. That's a great character. <laughs> but he's his he's his custom tailor and he, like, and, he and yeah and he makes and all the, the suits. And for the him. tailor is really small too. Oh, so yeah. so I knew Mickey that. in comparison, it's like it's really funny, yeah. He's like running up the side of him, measuring yeah. his shoulders. <laughs> your shoulders are three inch bigger. <laughs> three inch bigger. Um, Just like my heart uh, is for my you. Heart. <laughs> But I'm a little guy, so three inches is a lot. <laughs> wow. I'm like a mouse person. <laughs> right, so anyway, you can all picture Mickey the Glove getting his Taylor custom suit. Jonathan made. Taylor Thomas. And he would go to the clubs and, uh, you know, he would he'd be drinking his highball or his martini or his yes. Manhattan. Yes. And, uh, you know, there would always be some little guys love to pick on guys mm-hmm. that are bigger than them because they think they have something to prove. Yes. But they're actually just idiots. And so this would happen to him all the time where these, these young guys would be like, oh, Mickey, the gloves, you think you're a tough guy. <laughs> and they just get bonked on the head. <laughs> Their greasy head just gets flattened. And this would happen all night long. And, uh, you know, the person would fall down and then everyone would be like huddling around saying like, Oh, gee, well, I was saying all this stuff. What happened? And everyone would be like, ah, he got slipped a Mickey. Oh, like, yeah. Know, his fist slipped into the, these guys' oh, heads. Oh, yeah. You know? Now, this is Mickey that's on the ground, too, right? Is that his name? What? Mickey's out on the ground. He bonked that guy in the head. He knocked him out. Oh, okay. I thought you were saying that Mickey kept getting bonked on the head with, no. from like bar patrons. And then he just kept getting beat up all the time. Now, patrons no, no. are trying to fight him. And then him, he just he bonks just, him down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He slips him the Mickey fists right down on the <laughs> head. I love it. So this, you know, got around and everywhere he went, this would happen. Um, but, you know, over time, it transitioned from, you know, getting physically punched by him to getting knocked out by something you're drinking to, you know, eventually having something to do with like someone drugging you. Right. To incapacitate Well, yeah, because you're still, yes, yes. Um, And then you could also say, slip them the glove, Mickey. Oh, slip them the glove. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like it's something, but it's, I don't think it is at all. (laughs) So what's the actual origin? All right. It's probably not that. Okay. So this is one of those idioms of questionable origin. Listen, are you going to do it? I want to do it. I want to do it. But I'm going to do it quick like that, or are you going to take it seriously? I love it. I'm then just, you need to. I'm, I'm I'm doing it like because they're like, oh, okay, here we go. No. All right, here we go. If it's a thing, it's got to be a thing, right. like the year 2000. On I COVID. will say this. This is not as hardcore of an 
Idiom of questionable origin. You gotta milk it. It's like, sometimes they're like, we have no clue. Or there's like 50 different ideas, yeah. right? This one seems like, to me, they can't say for sure, but all signs point to the real living person, Michael Mickey Finn. Ding, ding, ding. Wait, was he a boxer? No, but oh. it just seems like he should be, doesn't it? Like, uh-huh. this does, this whole thing makes me feel like boxing. All right, not much is known about his, like, youth at all, mm-hmm. like, but he was born in 1871 to Irish immigrant parents mm-hmm. in, uh, I think he was, like, Ohio or something like that. I forgot to put it down. But, so he was, like, a street punk, and he was a pickpocket and a thief, yeah. and he would always prey on um, like drunk bar patrons because they're drunk. Yeah, easy, and then you easy, get money. easy money. Um, eventually, he moves to the Chicago's Levy District as a barkeeper, and all they described as like uh, the Levy District is like essentially the red light district. It's like it's rough. Yeah, you know. So he there's this book. Uh, this guy Herbert Ashbury wrote in 1940 called the uh, Gem of the Prairie, an infor- informal history of Chicago underworld. And he talks all about this guy, um, Michael Mickey Finn. Holy shit. So, I, I, this, yeah, 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 I'm just saying this is, uh, I, this is an interesting one because this seems like some, like lots of layers of well, it's shit this, to have made this idiot. To me, this character, um, well, oh, okay, you know, this guy that wrote this, he also wrote Gangs of New York. I mean, I was going to say, just sounds exactly feels, like Gangs in New yeah, York. Yeah, it feels like that. And I'm like, man, what if they would have made this one? Um, I don't know how big of a character. I didn't get mm-hmm. to read the whole book, but I don't know how big of a character um, Michael Flynn is. But, yeah, right. Um, but he would have been like, a part of that kind of universe. Like, who knows? Is the whole thing, is, it, is he the main character? Like, I don't yeah, know. But right. like, apparently Chicago was rough <laughs> uh, back then. So, um, so he takes this job at this place called Toronto Gyms in Whiskey Row. And there was this incident that happened where he socked a customer with a bung starter. And if you're wondering what a bung starter is, it's a mallet that bartenders use to knock the bung out of the cast. So imagine those like, Oh big, yeah. Right. And then, and it's a wooden mallet. It's right. It's funny. Right, Cause right. like Alex, I feel like has bung starters. He, he makes, he, like, them, makes yeah, those wooden basically. mallets. Um, so anyway, he hit a customer with one of those so hard that his eye popped out. Yikes. And then, you know, he had to go underground for a little bit. Right. So, but I was right with the whole physical violence towards someone's head thing. Oh, yeah. But that's not the, that's not even anything. That's just like, that's like the precursor to like Michael Flynn's like Are you telling big me stuff. things get weirder? They get bigger. In 1896, he opens his own saloon, the Lone Star Cafe and Palm Garden Restaurant. Beautiful. I know, right? I want to get there. <laughs> I don't think it exists anywhere. But just, I, this is like, probably an those, Arby's I there wish now. I could, yeah. <laughs> I wish I could step into that time, mm-hmm. like for a minute, you know, and not like a movie version. Like I want to feel what it really felt like. Yeah. So I feel good. Yeah, I bet. So he ran what was called a black and tan bar that he ran with his wife, Kate Roses. And I just wanted to say her name because it's Kate Roses. Sounds, cool. sounds like a character too, right? Right. So the thing about black and tan bars is like you could have uh, black people, white people, immigrants, um, like everyone's welcome at a black and tan bar, mm-hmm. but it's not because that they're um, being like 
uh, very accepting. It's just mm. the fact that this is considered like a lower level establishment. Where, oh, okay. So they, yeah. they would just take anyone's money. Right. Yeah. Whereas like in the upper like class, it would be like, you wouldn't be allowed mixing. In. Yeah, of course. Yeah, right. yeah. Well, it was 1790s, right? Is that what you said? Uh, so at this point it's 1896. 1890s. Yeah. Right. So um, they only served beer and whiskey and they were staffed by house girls or also known as B girls, which are really street prostitutes that would serve beer and then flirt with the men to try to get them to buy more alcohol. Right. So there's two characters that I have to mention their name because they're pretty interesting. We have Isabel the Dummy, Fife, mm-hmm. and Mary Goldtooth Thornton. God. And Goldtooth becomes important later in the story, so keep her. These are some great characters. I know. it's. Uh, this is, I'm, he should do Gangs of New York too. Yeah. All about Ch- this guy. Chicago. Oh, yeah, gangs, gangs of Chicago. <laughs> gangs of Chicago too. <laughs> gangs of Chicago That'll get too. That'll mess with I would watch the shit out Daniel of that Daniel Day-Lewis is like, well, time for a Chicago dog. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I would do it. I would oh, watch man, him do love anything. To see that. <laughs> he, he might come out of retirement for something like that. Dude. Come on, let's start that petition. Anyway, um, now uh, we we should also watch Gangs King of, of Chicago too. <laughs> King, King of, of Chicago. King of Chicago. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, so um, this is when he invents the Mickey Finn special. So yeah. he would take like uh, on the bar sign outside, he would promote this drink called the Mickey Finn, mm. and then he would he would charge like an inflated price because his idea was that people that had more money would buy it even yeah. though he wouldn't tell them what was in it right you know it's like a fun thing it's like a fun exciting <laughs> mystery drink sounds really exciting yeah yeah it's like the that's it's the mystery so what was believed to be in it was oh right it was a was alcohol tabasco snuff soaked water and mm. a mysterious white liquid oh god that could knock a man out in seconds <laughs> <laughs> And Mickey concocted this. Right, well, so his name's Michael, but Michael. That, like this, when he invents this drink, he it's like it be called. He calls it the Mickey Finn, so he gets known as Michael Mickey Finn. Right. Yeah, kind of becomes like his nickname because this is like his claim to fame. I mean, the this Mickey. Is a, this is a big claim. If you didn't think that this story could have another character, <laughs> <laughs> let me introduce you to Doctor Hall. Mm-hmm. He was. A mysterious voodoo priest who made his living selling love potions and trinkets to the superstitious and uneducated folk in the red light districts. Amazing. This is I where see this, TV this show. is where Mickey Finn he would buy this strange white powder and yeah. and this liquid um, from Doctor Hall, who also sold heroin and cocaine. Oh, so what he would do is he would mix all that together, and then the guy would pass out. And when all the other customers left, because this is another thing about this time in bars back then is, I guess people would just like fucking pass out and people would be like, yeah, I had a one too many, I guess. <laughs> and what, you just like sleep there or what? I mean, don't you feel like when you watch like Westerns and stuff, yeah. like there's always somebody just like passed out and nobody gives a shit. I feel like those things are open 24 hours a day too, right? right? When yeah. are those closing? I don't know. So that's what they would do. They would wait until everyone else leaves. So this guy's passed out for God knows how long. Then they would bring him to one of the back operating rooms. Oh. And they would just take everything from him and throw him out in the alleyway. You, you mean like, 
They wouldn't like cut him open and actually take his organs. Oh no, no, no! They were taking his money. They would take his clothes. That's what I was. Some guys would double check. No, I mean, I think if they were allowed to do it longer, they could realize the money in selling organs. Right. Um, But I don't think in the 1890s they were there yet, though. With the you know the medical technology. Although Jack the Ripper. Jack the Ripper, but they weren't (laughs) psychos though. Like, but maybe they. These guys are kind of psychotic. (laughs) I mean, they're drugging people. And throwing them in the back alley. Right. Okay, you're like, right. Could you imagine being tossed naked into an like a wet Chicago, waking up like blood soaked alley? Yeah, waking and, up like, like that would be surprising. And you are just like, what did I do <laughs> last night? Oh my god! Yeah, it's wow. crazy, right? Yeah, they're like the original roofie. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think that's, this is like, exactly, that's what it is. Um, And Mike also was able to get away with this for a good while because he would bribe the authorities, of course, grease the palm. But then on December 16th, 1903, the the Chicago Daily Tribune has Goldtooth confession. Mm -hmm. Because remember that person that works for him named Goldtooth? Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, so she ratted on on Mickey Finn, right? And she says this. I worked for Finn a year and a half, and in that time, I saw a dozen men given dope by Finn and as a, as a bartender. The work was done in two little rooms adjoining the palm garden in the back of the saloon. Did she rhyme like that? Was I rhyming? I don't know. What accent was that? I don't know. I was kind of going in and out of things. <laughs> it sounded like New York and then Irish and then not. All then right, America. So check this out. So she rats him out, right? And then they're like, we got to close this place down. Sorry, Mickey. Now, I got a quote from Mickey here, and um, mm-hmm. it's funny, I think. All right? Yeah. He says, I'd lose money in feeding dope along with the big tubs and the clams I dish out to get the guys that blow in here. I wouldn't get enough money out of the clothes in a year to pay for the dope. Gee, but Goldtooth Mary got busy with that craft committee. I heard that last evening, and so I said in the saloon all night for fear I wouldn't know the place in the morning. I had dreams all night of small guys with big rolls blowing in here, inhaled knockout drops. Was it hard lines? Enough to wake up this morning and see the same old bums paying their nickels for big glasses of beer and making a roar because they don't get no more clams. And what what does that all mean? (laughs) So he's basically saying like, why would I dope my patrons? They don't have enough money on them to even pay Mm -hmm. for the dope that would knock them out. Yeah. I'm innocent. And now I got no clams, apparently. (laughs) And now I got no clams. Dude, he stayed. Like, so he knew he was going to get shut down. So he slept in the bar that night. Mm. Because, like, he, like, loved it, I guess. (laughs) He's like, oh, the memories. And then he's like walking down. He's like seeing all these people like screaming, having their guts pulled out and stuff. <laughs> like someone breaking a bottle over his head and smiling. Like, these are his sweet mm, memories. Yeah. <laughs> he, well, sounds charming. So obviously the Lone, the Lone Star got shut down and then Mickey left town, but before that, he actually gave out his drink formula mm-hmm. to the different South Side bars and stuff like that, so people would use them like in the same way. Hey, you, hey, guys, you should call that a Mickey. Be like, here, here's some drugs. You can pass them out. Like they, uh, that got in trouble, but they didn't arrest me. Look, I'm out. I'm out. Ooh, it's so fucked up that he would supply more places. He with, did. I know. It's like crazy. he's like, yo, this is a good deal. 
This is how, yeah, this is how you make real money in the bars around here. Yeah, um, the Daily News, December 16th, 1903, there was a quote I thought you'd like. Mickey Finn, proprietor of the Lone Star Saloon, the scene of blood-curdling crimes through the agency of drugged liquor. Mm. That's a nice one. Drugged liquor. Yeah. And so anyway, in 1903, he loses his shit. Like He, he has to like not run that bar anymore. Um, and then he kind of goes quiet for a while. But then in 1918, there's a headline. Extra, extra, they've taken Mickey Finn. (laughs) (laughs) Read all about it. Uh Uh-huh. And he was charged with running a disorderly house and selling liquor without formal authorization. So, boom, he eventually got busted. Good. But not for, like, the, like, he really didn't pay for his crimes of drugging people. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, but I think in 1918 or whatever, it was maybe a little bit easier to get away with crimes. I think so, too. And plus, I don't think people think so much about, you know, mystery powder drugs that can, you know. Yeah, like, oh, especially that's, a, that's, that's a funny thing. How about that? Anyway, moving on. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I think, like, people were, like, like bad alcoholics were, like, rampant. Like, mm-hmm. so you're just like, well, how could you tell if he's drugged? He's probably just so fucked up. Yeah, right. Plus, I, I feel like the distillation process wasn't as... Good. And like people were like, this, pure? Thing, this is like 200%. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Yeah. So, um, all right. In that same year, there was this, there was this huge indictment about these waiters that had drugged a bunch of people, mm-hmm. um, using Mickey Finn powder because they were, they were upset that they weren't getting good enough tips. Isn't that kind of wild? Yeah. So this guy, Stuart Wood, he basically made this stuff this 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 concoction and then he would charge it 20 cents a bag to mm-hmm. these waiters they would actually keep it in the waiters union and you could come in and buy it and be like all right go use this on people that don't tip well or places that um are like anti-union oh my god it's so messed up dude again though isn't this like a wild kind of it's like a big thing yeah there's like a hundred people arrested that's crazy yeah and there was like this time apparently when food poisonings and stuff in Chicago were like so rampant that people were like afraid to go out and eat. Oh man, it'd be so scary if you knew that one of your meals was going to be like totally just poison yeah. you or something. Yeah. I can't believe this hasn't been a movie. It seems like That's it, what I mean, there's so many right? elements to it. Yeah. I know. So anyway, that was like, that was a huge deal. Um, it was all big news. So the powder that they uh, figured out what they were using with the waiters is something called tartar emetic. Mm-hmm. Um, also during those times where the waiters were acting up, they used things called odor bombs and dynamite, but like stink bombs. There's yeah. Stink bombs right. In the place. Isn't that great? Stink bombing. Um, but listen, so this is a great story. It's, it's got a lot of heroes, but it still kind of is like, why did he decide to call the whole thing Mickey? Right. Mm. Cause his name's Michael. Right. Um, so there is this theory that, where he got the idea is there was this um, in the in the 1890s this guy Ernest Gerald wrote these fictional stories about a, somebody named Mickey Finn and it was like extremely popular they did they they ended up publishing a book in 1899 and then um, they even turned it into a comic play mm-hmm. which I thought it was going to be really funny or something uh, but I started reading one of the excerpts think it would be this short little funny thing it was like all about a dead bird so i think just like humor is maybe i I did i skimmed it though but in 1903 it was so popular that that's when they turned it into the play 
And that's the same year that Mickey Finn got arrested for slipping Mickey's. So I think he's like popular character. Right. I'm going to use that for my drink name. And then bing, bang, boom. It's kind of like the Stromboli thing. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's really, um, yeah. And so when was the first time that it was like written down? Did you find that? When it was written down like, as like slipped a Mickey? Yeah, like well, there was is that, so when much, was that first in print? Well, there was so much in the newspapers. Like in all of these newspaper things. So as early as 1903, because that's when Mickey got arrested. That's when he got in trouble. And that's when they started using it okay, as yeah. like, yo, you got slipped a Mickey. All right. So what do you think about that? I, that's that's great. I have just a li- the littlest bit of fun facts, and it's really not that it's not much of a stray. I thought it was kind of cool. I don't know if you heard me earlier. They also called them knockout drops, and uh, there's and and the different drugs that were used to slip a Mickey from when Mickey started it to like all those the waiter stuff. It was it was kind of it was different uh, all the stuff. And some people think that there's these other secret recipes that nobody really knows. Yeah, this one uh, from 1936 from this something called American Speech says that it was just cigar ashes in a carbonated beverage. <laughs> But that wouldn't do anything to you. But what if it would? Huh. Maybe right. we should try it. Yeah, next time we'll let you know how that goes. We're going to slip experiment. ourselves Mickey's. <laughs> we um, both just fall towards each other. Yeah. <laughs> we never, we're just standing at a 90 degree angle with our foreheads touching. And that's when, Unconscious. We, ha- that's when we have the dream of dreams. <laughs> um, uh, so the, the drugs could often be a purgative, which is essentially a laxative, or an emetic, which causes vomiting. Mm-hmm. So there was this other theory that people were also using these types of things, not to rob people, but like, let's say you have an asshole customer and you're like essentially going to give them diarrhea. Mm-hmm. So they leave. Oh God. Like that guy's got it coming. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And you're not stealing anything from him uh-huh. or like make him throw up a lot. That's funny too. Yeah. I, I could see this being sold at a, at a Capus, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Would well, you ever do the visine in someone's water or something? It's supposed to apparently give them like horrible diarrhea. I don't know. I didn't but know I think that. people like died from dehydration, yeah, so they had to like change the. Yeah, that sounds really cruel. Could, to you, do that to could you imagine like if you were arrested or something, you could do that to a cop, and then he'd be like, "Oh!" And then Santa Claus comes and saves you. <laughs> Is this Ernest saves Christmas? <laughs> something like that, right? <laughs> oh, dude, we should watch that actually. Um, and finally, I'll just say this, that there was one source that I could not fact check that believed that they were horse laxatives, mm. which you could imagine. Oh my God. <laughs> I guess if it's getting mixed into a keg of beer, maybe it won't be too powerful. Well, see, my thing is this, it's not going to go in the keg. It's going to go in the individual drink oh. because you don't want to do that to everyone. Sure. Right. Um, oh God. But anyway, that is the epic saga of Michael, Mickey, Finn, and I think... Can't believe I've never known the story. I can't believe you didn't know the story. Um, you out there is who I'm talking about. Yeah, we know. And let's get Scorsese on this thing and get it going already. All right. If you know the the number of scores, uh, <laughs> Martin scores. Give scores Just a email us at don'tbeanidiomatgmail.com and we will see you after this brief intermission. Wait, wait. Martin Scorsese picks up the phone and he's like, finally. <laughs> 
we're making the King of Chicago starring Daniel Day-Lewis and Martin Scorsese. Is it Gangs of Chicago too, or Kings of Chicago? <laughs> you said Kings. I know. But I think it's Gangs of Chicago. It Ch- is Gangs. Let's do Gangs of Chicago too for Yeah, Gangs okay. of Chicago too. And that's the way the cookie crumbles. Bye. Check out The Critic, everybody. Go and watch The Critic. Come over to my house and watch it. You're, you're with the Don't Be an Idiot, boys. Uh, the toughest podcast on this block <laughs> that we know of. There you go. Yeah, that we know of, that we're aware of. Uh, we, before we get into the second idiom, we just want to say that we have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash don't be an idiom. And it's just a way to support us, support the arts. You, when you tell people that you donate to Don't Be an Idiot, they're, they're going to be like, oh, a fancy art gala. <laughs> Ooh, la, la. And then they'll be like, hey, where'd you get that sweet Don't Be an Idiot t-shirt or that sweet Doobie a Monster koozie? You got it from yourself. Right. But we just facilitated that shit. <laughs> That's right. We have got some awesome merch coming out, all thanks to our really good friend, Margaret, who has been drawing? She she actually told me that on her resume she put like that's awesome. Um, you know what was it like something resident artist of yeah, don't resident. be an idiom right. or something like that. And it's she like, is hell yeah, dude. She's drawn so much cool stuff for us, and um, we love you for that, Margaret. Thank you so much. And but if you become a patron, you get you a free get, one of these guys. Yeah, you're gonna get. We're we have a really awesome shirt design coming out and a. Koozie, I love koozies. You we love both. koozies. You get them. You get them and whatever we got. And also whatever we got. And um, so, yeah, so definitely check that out. But we would also like to send an, an additional special shout out thanks to our good friend Tommy Avalone. He is... Avalone. <laughs> Avalone. Tommy Avalone, the world-renowned director of I Love You, You Hate Me, yeah, the Barney documentary. You can see that on Peacock TV. That's right. We have famous directors that are patrons. And we're just, so. and we're, and we're friends. Yeah. And yeah, he's helping us out. That's so nice. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Um, and we almost made a TV show with him and it didn't work out. Oops. Whose fault is that? But at least we get to be real. It's Your my fault. Because I got my hair cut too short. <laughs> yeah. I heard you guys all saying that. I didn't mean it. <laughs> Ryan was doing more of a long hair thing, so I was like, Mira, we're going to look different, you know? So I shaved my face, my hair got, it was too short. (laughs) My head looked insane. Like Pee Wee Wee Herman. Dude, I actually thought for in that week or two before like we knew anything, I was like, if we don't get the show, it's because of my haircut and I'm never going to tell anyone. I've never actually thought about your hair. I'm never going to tell anyone. Um, and and not that it wasn't a great cut. Mira loved the cut. It was just that 
you know, my hair tends to be part of my whole like whoa persona. Yeah, so like Kramer, just, just need a little if Kramer's more. Kramer's hair was too short; it'd be a problem. yeah. It's like he's being restrained. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm sorry, Tommy, <laughs> and I'm sorry to us. God, I already had that money spent. Jesus. <laughs> like you're the victim in the end. Sorry oh, yeah, I, I clearly hurt myself. <laughs> I wanted it for you guys. All right, but this is a, an idiom podcast, so let's continue on. We got another idiom coming in hot. And, uh, you know, as aggressive as Albert can be, very <laughs> confrontational, very violent that on, is on occasion. That is not true. Um, he's really just a paper tiger. Ooh, wow. Paper tiger. Ooh, uh, do not recognize this one. Oh, is this a new one? I mean, who's talking about paper tigers over here? I wasn't trying. I didn't. This pick sounds it. like a deep cut. I didn't pick it because I was trying to find something people didn't know, but I. It is. It has been used a lot recently, like in really? articles and stuff. But uh, um, I stumbled upon it, and I can't remember where. I was reading something, and I was like, paper tiger. And I looked up, and I was like, all right. Let's give it a go. Right. Cool. So do you have any any idea what it means? Okay. To me, it sounds like it would mean something that you're like, you're afraid is going to be bad, but it's actually like totally not. It's like a bluff or something. That's a good guess. That's a good guess. It's more about thinking about, um, you know, like someone appears ferocious on the outside and they, they appear powerful, but actually they're just made of paper. No, They're that's but that's what I feel all. like I was trying to say. Oh, okay. Is that like it's something that seems scary or pre- or maybe pretends well, you to said, be like a you bluff? Said, seems is what bad, I mean. but is is actually good. And oh, there's no oh, good or bad you know at what? play here. I didn't. I don't. Okay. No, I really didn't mean that. I think what I was trying to say is exactly what you said. Like the bluff part of it is like this thing looks big and scary, but it's actually doesn't have yeah. much. Um, it can't it all all there's no bark, bark no bite yeah there's no, right yeah right all bark no bite that's what it reminds me of it's exactly like that and uh yeah the dictionary definition one that is outwardly powerful or dangerous but inwardly weak or ineffectual and you can describe people like this or countries like this or friends um this example is just from a couple months ago um from cnn they said today russia looks like a paper tiger albeit a brutally destructive one and just how inept they've been at right. capturing parts of Ukraine. And, you know, like, so they just, they think that they're so in power, but actually they've not been as powerful as they've made people, to, like, led people to believe. Sure. It's kind of like fake news. Fake news. Dude, that's cool. Well, you know what that reminds me of? Uh, I was just listening to one of those um, War of the Worlds-esque radio mm-hmm. um well, it wasn't the actual play, but they were recounting this time mm-hmm. where somebody did essentially like a take on that. Yeah. And it was this famous case where everyone is going crazy in the town um, and like burning money and confessing all their adultery and all that sort of stuff. And then they're like, it's a ju- it's a radio play, you know, <laughs> like and then they storm the the radio station and burn it down and this one guy he's got like crazy burns all over himself oh, and that like, sounds awesome somebody died like it, it was like this is real crazy though, right? it is real oh it's Be- and but it was happened. just a but I'm saying is like That's these crazy. these like world war of the world type things where people get all crazy that to me almost is like a paper tiger you're like you're telling the story that seems like so scary but it's not even there it's not yeah. real yeah so where do you think this might come from because it's got a, a you know a specific 
kind of back um, All right. background. Okay, here's my thing. I need one bit of help with this. Are tigers from China? There are tigers in China. But is that not their main spot? It might be. Well, I'm thinking of the Bengal tiger. Where okay. are they? Is that China? I think so, yeah. Okay, let's just say it's China, right? Yeah. And there is this character, uh, mm-hmm. and he is um, he's dangerous, mm-hmm. right? But he's very cool. He's kind of like a Chinese uh, James Bond sort of nice, character, I like right? It. Yeah, it's great. Very cool. And like anytime anyone grabs him, he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, just plays it off. And then cool. he's like, let's go have a drink. And then he becomes friends with everyone, you know. And this is like the '60s. Yeah, like it's a yeah, and and basically he is he's always doing missions. They're always trying to get him. They can't. Um, but he, they get him one eventually. They get him right, <laughs> and they're like, you. They blindfold him. They throw him in this like cave with bars, like. It's like bars in the cave, and they're like, "You can't see what is going on here, and you are effed. We have a Bengal tiger out here. He's gonna get you, get you, get you." <laughs> and so, like, they open it up, and like, unless you tell the secrets, the top secrets, mm-hmm. you know. And he's like, "Never," and then yeah. you know. But anyway, so they, um, they he hear like because he can't see it, and he's just like. He hears the tiger roaring and getting closer and closer, and it's like right about to strike. And then he's like, "Okay, I'll tell you the secrets," and he does right. And then they're like, "Can't believe he fell for it." They're like, <laughs> "Everyone's having a cigarette." Uh-huh. And then he's like, he, he, "They, they like." He's like, "What's so funny?" And then they pull the um, the, 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 thing, the, the, the no, the, uh, the blindfold, blindfold up a little bit, and there's this little tiny origami tiger just right in front of him, and this mm. giant amplifier behind Whoa, him. Wow, that's great! I <laughs> love then, that. Right, so. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, like they're army guys. So like army stuff, Navy stuff, that all spreads pretty fast. Paper tigers. And yeah. then you are just zip, zap, zap. We're here. Nice. <laughs> right. I love that. That one guess. felt good. Actually. That's a great. <laughs> <laughs> Old timey boxer. Yeah. I'm feeling like a Mickey myself. <laughs> I'm feeling like I'm like, have myself one. So I'll tell you this, um, which I thought was cool. It is from China. Yeah, dude, I never get any of the facts right, ever. And it's funny because I'm like, are tigers from China? And you're like, I believe they are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would be aghast if they were. I would be aghast <laughs> if that weren't the case. I like it, though. Don't give me any hints. Yeah, so that was awesome. Um, so it's a literal translation of an ancient Chinese phrase, Ji Lao Hu. And this is actually another example of a loan translation, which coincidentally... We are two in a row. That's coincidental. The last week's was also a loan translation. It was uh, Break a Leg. Right. Yeah, we're not trying to force a theme here. It just happens. So the, the reason it's a, a literal loan translate... Or I'm sorry. The reason it's a loan translation is because it's literal. Right. Um, Ji Lao Hu means paper tiger. So this first appeared in writing in the 14th century and during the Ming Dynasty. And there were these ancient Chinese novels um, from like that were that were written in the 1300s that are like considered some of the most you know the important most important pieces of literature in China. And one Whoa. was called Water Margin. And it was about these 108 outlaws that they're gathering at the bottom of this mountain and they're gonna like overthrow the government. And a character Sweet. says but when the time comes for action, what good are you seeing a paper tiger? You cry out in fright. Whoa. So this is the first time it's really written down anywhere, but it probably existed way before 
The oh yeah, you always century. talk about it a lot before you write it down. Exactly. Yeah. Ryan's passing me a note. No, it's <laughs> I'm not. I just I'm using paper tonight. I just don't want to look at the two computers. That's nice. Yeah, Ryan's been going for the. I you know I used to try to use like paper, and I would just be like, <laughs> and they just like the mess of papers everywhere. I was like, I don't know. We have an insane setup though. Like if we had a table that we could actually use, if it you, would be so nice. Let me tell you something. <laughs> You want to go ahead over to Don't Be an Idiot at Patreon.com. We need a studio, people. <laughs> it's a Patreon.com slash Don't Be an Idiot. Patreon.com slash Don't Be an Idiot. I mean, like, you know, it's good. <laughs> it's good. Uh, <laughs> all right. And so the first time it entered into the English, this British missionary, bleh, we hate missionaries here at Don't Be an Idiot. <laughs> His name was Robert Morrison. And he translated the phrase in something called the vocabulary of the Canton dialect in 1828. So he he learned how to speak uh, Chinese just so he could convert them to Christianity. And he's like, I should have gone with my brother Jim Morrison. The Dawes! The Dawes! Dawes Monk! Yeah, right. And so this was a long time ago, um, before the doors. We're, we're a factional... Ac- we're a factual, accurate idiom. Yeah, we are vet it. We podcast. vet ourselves. Okay, We've, it's a serious approach. <laughs> it's before the doors. Okay. Albert's making a joke. Okay, but you, there were doors. <laughs> All right, that's that is true. So yeah, eighteen twenty eight came, but like not no one really used it. You would have had to read the vocabulary of the Canton um, di- dialect, which most people would not this have. This is been like reading. the high speech. It's high speech, right? You know, it's just like we don't need a. That's like that's fa- like when you need a, such a situation to use that for, like war. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, like which, like pass the peas. You, I, I have a paper tiger about that. Well, which brings us to uh, Mao Zedong. Yes. You know, you, you probably heard of Mao, right? Yes. He was one of my crossword clues the other day. There you go. I spelled it wrong at first, though. M-O-W, I tried. <laughs> so he was the chairman of the Chinese Communist Party. He was the paramount leader of China. Most of us would know Mao's name or have seen yeah. his likeness because he was such an important part of, of Chinese history. So Mao Zedong, he popularized this for for us English speakers. And I'll, I'll get to that in a moment. So what do you know about Mao? Mao Zedong. <laughs> I don't know. He seems like a cool guy. Actually, is he a bad guy, or was I, I, was he like a enlightened leader, or was he was like a bad boy? I, I would say that it's controversial. Okay, like it, I yeah. don't want to. I don't want to take sides here, but I know that he's got a big name. He has a big name, and it's, I mean, it's okay to look at him as a dictator that was responsible for the deaths of millions of Chinese people. Oh, shit. Yeah. Well, that, so, yeah, okay, so I don't, I don't agree with that. Yeah, of course, of course. But he did do a lot to, you know, he brought China into the global market. You know, he, he because of his policies, right? because he basically... You know, through the Communist Party, he forced out the original leader of China, and he established the the uh, Chinese Communist Party. 
And so he's responsible for that. He's the one who's like convinced China to become communist. And that is good in theory, not usually good in practice, right? Well, well because he he put the, the it in he put it into practice and what happened was He's basically like, all right, so all of the farmers, everything you're farming is not yours anymore. It's all coming to a central place, and then we'll redistribute it. Sure. So farmers were like, okay, this sucks. And then so then famine started to set in. And then he- Why? Because they weren't working as hard? No, they were working, but the food wasn't coming back to them. You know what I mean? Because it was like supposed to be oh, you know, spread throughout China. And so the farmers- like bureaucracy at its finest. <laughs> That's the, yeah, the least of the problems of the- of Mao's um, party, you gotta save a couple of radishes for yourself. You, you gotta hide those. You gotta hide, but yeah. <laughs> but it'd be nice just to you know have a full fridge. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, it'd be nice to be able to wake up and take a deep breath of air and say, "I'm fine." <laughs> <laughs> that's that's all anyone true. wants. That's all anyone wants. You don't have to be rich. But uh, you know, under Mao's rule, he wanted to he wanted to make China, China an industrialist country, and so. He forced, essentially forced everyone to start like building up so we could have like skyscrapers and cities. Uh. And he made all these steel factories. And all of a sudden, these farmers were forced to work in steel factories. They Ooh. had no idea how to do it. And they were like not trained well. And but for a, like a year or two, it kind of was working okay. But then everything came crashing down because, you know, no one had any food. And then. Well, the honeymoon phase was over. It ended, yeah. All the glitz and glam had worn away. So, so I think some people f- view him as as the the man who brought China into the modern world, but th- the amount of people that had to die for that to happen, you know. You know, I feel bad that I'm I'm sure it was like so beautiful before all the, you know, <laughs> like all the that like making skyscrapers and smog and all that stuff. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Because this was in the late 1950s early 1960s um it's just too bad like that glitz and glamour (laughs) gosh man like again i would like to go back in time before all that and walk through the beautiful fields of china you know what i mean like Mm. just like see some sort of rolling no i know i know but like i mean i'd like to do it here in america too right but before all this the smog smog. (laughs) before the smog just want to go and take my shoes off so Mao Zedong he first introduced the idea of paper tigers to Americas to Americans in August of 1946 and he referred to the atom bomb as a paper tiger to this <laughs> to this uh <laughs> I know like he, that is anything but I know it seems like that right but you know and he was trying to argue like well but still you needed to change the will of the people alright you know you, you kill people you drop one you drop two sure that's powerful but that how is that going to change the will of the people to but honestly I mean yeah. okay so the atom bomb right talking about Hiroshima and stuff earlier right like you, you gotta think like Right, like you wouldn't believe in its power because no one was ever supposed to use one. Mm-hmm. And then we did twice. And it's like, uh-huh. oh my God. Like, could you imagine, like, your concept of a bomb versus an atom bomb explosion? It, yeah. It, it must have the been like apart. the world is over because they've invented yeah, something right. that can destroy the world. Yeah. It's, so, it's, anyway. a, it's a little surprising that they haven't been used since, but. 
gosh. <laughs> so anyway, um, but but Mao had he wrote this book called Little Red Book, and he wrote it in '56, but it wasn't published in English until '64, and he wrote uh, this this chapter in there about how the, essentially the U.S. and imperialism in general were paper tigers, and he wrote. Um, oh yeah. I'm just gonna read a quote from it because it kind of, you know, it, it's the moment that essentially most Americans started like hearing paper tigers as a phrase. He said, "Now U.S. imperialism is quite powerful, but in reality, it isn't. It is very weak politically because it is divorced from the masses of the people and is disliked by everybody and by the Americans, American people too. In appearance, it is very powerful, but in reality, it is nothing to be afraid of. It is a paper tiger. Outwardly a tiger, it is made of paper." Unable to withstand the wind and the rain, I believe the United States is nothing but a paper tiger. Oh, you got burned! So burned. Yeah, us. <laughs> we got burned so hard. So, Dude, with the publication yeah. of Mal's Little Red Book, all of a sudden we were, you know, we were introduced to this word, and then it started appearing on people's, you know, articles and their original stories, and you know, making puns on it and stuff, and then it caught on. Was Mal alive when um this might be a very stupid question but would was Mal alive when when Japan got hit with an an atomic bomb? Yeah, yeah, cuz he he I think he was alive through I uh, would the late 70s. Not to make a joke, I would be interested to see his reaction to what happened with the atomic bomb, right? But he he made that comment in 1946, so it had just happened. Oh, Oh wait, so I oh oh so you're saying he made that comment after, after. the explosion? Yes. Jesus, dude. I, I like know. I'm still afraid that someone's gonna accidentally hit a button at any moment. I know, right. Like he it seemed, could be over seemed, in a moment. Yeah, he seemed to feel though that it was, you know. I bet he was like, dude, they already fucked up. They use that <laughs> like like they look like assholes. They can't do it now. But during the, then what are we, just the A bomb guys? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's exactly what you are. Um, but yeah, during Trump's presidency, the the word came up a lot because people referred to Trump in writing as a paper tiger oh, because sure. he constantly backed down. He constantly made all these threats that never went anywhere. Right. And so he that word kind of started to grow in popularity again. It's like he's full of hot air. Exactly, yeah. And the tiger is the king of all beasts in uh, in Chinese symbolism. You know, when I was a kid, like, I feel like I never really, this never really set in. I always thought that the lion was the biggest, the biggest, strongest cat. Yeah, you know? right. But apparently tigers are like the bigger ones. Mm. And like, could you imagine a tiger and a lion fighting? That'd be cool. <laughs> oh, I can, I can picture that. Has that ever happened? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Only in dreams. I mean, geez. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that's the way the, oh, that's all she wrote. Regarding uh, paper tires, so keep an eye out if you if it's one that you haven't heard before. I feel like if you just kind of you know become aware of it, you'll you'll see it soon. Keep an ear out. Keep an ear out. All right, please write us at don'tbeanidiom at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. We want to know what you're having for lunch tomorrow. Very interested in your lunch. Uh, and until next time, don't, don't be an idiom. Where are all the Thanksgiving songs? 
swear I haven't heard one in so long I'm just sitting here licking my fingers Thinking of pulling the trigger Unless I hear a Thanksgiving song Where are all the Thanksgiving songs? The turkey's almost done but I cooked it wrong Forgot the fucking stuffing The mashed potatoes are chunking The green beans are not green at all Thanksgiving songs Someone ought to write one If I had half a brain I'd do it myself Where are all the Thanksgiving songs? The joy in my life is all gone My family still won't talk to me Cause of that thing in 83 I swear I never meant to hurt no one Cut my finger, slice in the bread Bleeding out, I am nearly dead Now I'm up in heaven With a big old box of records And every track is a Thanksgiving song Thanksgiving songs They're all up here in heaven So kill yourself and come join the fun Thanksgiving songs I'm dead but I'm happy And all I need is a record player To hear all these songs Ah oh, shit, it's Thanksgiving in hell Thanksgiving in hell A million and one Thanksgiving songs And nothing to play them on